Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be giving you guys a game recap on the Thunder Spurs game. This was the final summer league game for the Thunder. Kind of the same deal goes for everybody. You know, you had four just in-season games, I guess you would say, and then you had almost like a consolation game for 28 of the 30 teams and the final two they got put into a championship game. So the championship game is going to be played tonight. As for all the other ones, they kind of just got like split half and half between yesterday and today. So OKC got the first bite at it playing against San Antonio. Neither team played really that well entering this one. I will say though, for the Spurs, Trey Jones had been going off like crazy leading up into this game. He was averaging well over 20 points, I believe. And he had like five, maybe five plus assists. He was going off. He was one of these standouts for sure. He didn't play in this one. And neither did Scal de Bissier, Joshua Primo, Devin Vassell, who I'm surprised even was on this list. They were all gone. So you didn't really have any of their top tier players on the roster. And that's fine because on the Thunder side of things, it was pretty much identical. I mean, you're seeing Josh Giddy, who... He wanted to play for the last three games. He never got that opportunity. And you know why would you want to rush that ankle back? I mean, if you guys saw his TikTok, if you saw it on Twitter, this dude has a grapefruit attached to his foot right now. So I wouldn't want to see him, you know, potentially re-injure that ankle. And then on top of it all, you have Trey Mann who had personal reasons. I never really heard the specific reason. I think that's just kind of where they've rested that at. But he... Also was out of play, but you still had your second rounders. You had Jeremiah Robinson Earl, you had Aaron Wiggins, Teo was playing, and a couple others who I will get into um, in a little bit. But just to start this game out, this seemed like just what we've seen the last four games of the Thunder, and probably the last three, but they started one of seven from the field, and on the defensive side of things, you know, they weren't really gaining anything back on that end, too. You had the Spurs kind of just strutting up and down the court, hitting pull-up jumpers, hitting threes. Joe Wieskamp was the main dude. I think he came out of Iowa. But, yeah, I mean, he had a couple of just pull-up middies where there wasn't a ton of contest on it. And then Daquan Jeffries, who I might be wrong. I'll probably search it while I'm talking. But I think he is from TU. He might have had a little stint there. But anyways, he goes up and hits a three of his own, and they're up. You know, they go on this 9-2 streak, and it seems like the Thunder, they're going to be set for kind of what we've seen the last couple times, where unless you are really trying to hone in on everybody, you'd be turning this off by the end of the third quarter. So it wasn't a good start for them. Uh, But, you know, they took a more conservative approach, the Thunder, that is, kind of leading off into the ensuing drives after that, where you had Jeremiah Robinson Earl orchestrating in the pick and roll. And he was kind of looking to pop more, you know, instead of the typical high ball screen where Jeremiah Robinson Earl's maybe coming up at the top of the key and looking to operate or maybe like a step in, like kind of gravitating around the free throw line. He was kind of looking and setting screens on the interior, and what it led to was him kind of popping out like 10, 11, 12 feet for these jumpers, and there was just no contest on him. People had a double tail, and you know that's kind of a recipe for success, as we found out 
through these games. So he was able to get that pick and pop to go in and then also rolling to the basket. There were some troubles for the Spurs. So he had six points right up right there because the two drives, as I mentioned, and it was back to a single possession game. And Oklahoma City, they continued to keep applying the pressure onto San Antonio. You saw this, you know, this little lead or streak stem from like three to five to six, whatever it was, just kept going. And they knotted the game at 14. Teo got up top of the key triple. It's kind of just his shot. And then on the very next drive, they got the lead off of a Josh Hall, I'd like to call it a parasail layup almost where you're driving in. And this is something that we saw from Hamadou. We saw it from Josh Hall really in his minimal time last year, but again, where you just drive in head on on your guy. And instead of going for the poster or just shooting when you're at the apex of your jump, you kind of just hang there and you wait for the clearly less mobile like power forward or center to start going on the downward trend and when that happens you know you're kind of still sitting a little bit above there so you almost get that height advantage back where you can just put up a you know not a heavily contested layup like you still have a wall in front of you but I guess it's not as bad so we pulled one of those and got it to go in and then right after that, Jalen LeCue, who is known for like dunking from the free throw line, he has the craziest high school mixtapes probably ever, he just goes in, uh, slashing in from the right side, acrobatic finish, kind of like a hole-in-the-wall deal where he had to do a contortionist act to get around his guy, but it went in, and it was kind of just lifeless for the Spurs, and by that time, they decided to kind of end the bleeding the Thunder had scored 14 consecutive points, and at the timeout, they were up 19-14. to 14. And upon the little timeout from San Antonio, it actually worked initially, where OKC, they kind of stagnated a little bit, and there was like a minute of rest. But for San Antonio, it wasn't like they were putting up any buckets either. So you were just kind of trading off miss after miss, seeing who could strike first, and it ended up being Josh Hall. And he was playing... A lot more uh, aggressive, I'd say, as opposed to his last couple games. And we know, like, his play style, he's looking to just ISO you. He's kind of more of a wild card. Um, but especially, I'd say, in this first quarter, he was just letting everything go. Like, he does this step-back mid-range jumper where, honestly, he was smothered. It still went in for him. And then a play later, he's just blowing right by his guy, you know, starting at the top of the key. And he gets all the way to the basket for a dunk. So, you know, he puts those four points on San Antonio. They have really nothing to do. They ended up like stopping their dry spell off of two free throws. But the damage is kind of already done to the point where OKC, they tallied 19 points unanswered before, you know, you got that final basket. And OKC just kept going. It wasn't like, you know, the 19-2 run was just that, or 19-0 run. They ended up scoring a little bit more uh, to close out the frame. Ended up on a 20-2 streak by the end of it, and they were up 26-16 entering that second quarter. And it really didn't even seem like San Antonio was in this game. Like, they had that quick burst, obviously, but I'd say like the last six or seven minutes of that quarter... It didn't look like they were making anything, and truthfully, they really were not. So going into that second quarter, I mean, this was big time because the Thunder, they've kind of just went into the second, either tied, down a point, up a point. There's no real separation gained. 
for them. And they had that opportunity, and they were looking to make bank off of it. Problem was, the hero from the first quarter in Joe's Wee's camp, he was back. And he goes in, and he kind of just absolves those wounds again, where there's a 6-2 opener for San Antonio. They're only down four points. Wee's camp is hitting middies. You know, he's looking to drive inside. And Oklahoma City, they had to find a hero again. And Josh Hall did it. Now, he wasn't hitting threes. He wasn't hitting a layup here. He just had to get to the charity stripe, and he was able to knock both of them down. And then Charlie Brown Jr., who kind of was still in the first quarter, not a lot of action from him, he comes in and hits a layup. So they were looking all right, but then Joe Wieskamp knocks back on that door to hit a three, games at a single possession. And this little single possession, like five-point lead for the Thunder, it just kept ping-ponging around. You'd see a hit for the Thunder, Spurs would return fire. There was not a lot of action there, but they were able to stop that. Aaron Wiggins, he's driving in in a half court, slashes in from the right side, and he just throws a beautiful bounce pass. Like he had to laser this thing probably through like a gap of six inches. Like you didn't really have much room for air here. He just slices in a bounce pass to Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He's slashing in from the middle and he's able to convert there. You know, I think a lot of people would look at that play and look at Jeremiah Robinson Earl because he gets the ball. There's a dude pretty much piggybacking him. Like someone is right behind this man. Um, but instead of just going up for a dunk or a layup, he just paused like right under the restricted area and his man just like jumped over him. Like <laughs> Jeremiah Robinson Earl kind of had a prone. He had to get down a little bit in order to get his man off of him. He just had to kind of be a little patient there and it really paid off for him. So he got that to go. I'd say that was a play that was kind of spectacular for both of them. And that's really what they needed because now they're up seven points and on the very next play, San Antonio, they try to draw some more blood. They do. But OKC, just like they did in the first quarter, they tightened up when it mattered. They went on an 11-0 run, starting inside the two-minute warning. When the Spurs broke that streak, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he was right back to the basics. He was popping. Now he's trying to roll back inside. He gets a layup. And then on the final possession, Teo Maladon's trying to take his guy right wing as time is expiring. Hits a step back where he didn't really get a lot of separation. Um, but then he goes into his shot. Also not a lot of separation. He still stuck it in though. So at the buzzer, he hits that three. They go up 59 to 37 at halftime. And this was huge. I mean, they were firing just everywhere. And it was all about the streaks. 20 to 2 in the first quarter. And then a 15-2 run collectively in that second. Even when they weren't you know, playing at their highest, they were still adamant and getting where they wanted for the full 20 minutes. And we did not see that in any of the other summer league games. So they finished the first half shooting 29 of 39. That's 59%. And then from three even, they were shooting above 40% there. 41.7 shooting 5 of 12. And they had a lot of options when it came to points. When you check out the point spread against the Warriors and then also in their last game too, there was not a lot of points kind of getting dished around, right? You had, I think, three people in both of their last two games nodding double figures. In the first 20 minutes, they already had four people doing that, and it was led by Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And 
he's been good like every game. Like he's dropping 9, 10, probably like 12 or even 14 points. In this first half though, he led all scores with 13, shot 6 of 11 in doing so, and he even had 6 rebounds to go along with it. And when you check out who was behind him, still had 3 other guys. Josh Hall getting to the foul line, even hitting that one step back. He ended up with 11 points. Teo had his 11 points. And even Aaron Wiggins had 10 points. He was kind of a dark horse where he was kind of just sneaking inside for some layups, but they really started racking up. So they were just early and often getting where they needed to be. And they were in the driver's seat. Like a loss here would have been ridiculous. And they need to fight back because there have been some times now with this group We haven't seen this summer league group for more than a week, so I can't really generalize them and group them with, like, the thunder of last year. But there were some kind of, like, comebacks where they would get on a run and it just get decimated and ran over in a matter of five minutes. So they needed to make sure not to do that because they were playing like a freaking all-star team. No one was dropping any of these kinds of numbers in a full-length game. You get this in them playing, like, 10 to 12 minutes They were good, and for the Spurs, the only person they could rely on was Joe Wieskamp. Outside of that, no shots were really going in. And to go into that second half, you had the Spurs actually make a little push here, and they got on an 11-2 opening run. Just as the second quarter did, it kind of gives you that scare. But OKC, before it got into single-digit play again, they cut it. You know, they just cut it, and... You got more of that back and forth, four minutes to go, Rob Edwards gets in the game, and you guys can check it out. I've sent it out on Twitter, I have almost like the receipts, I got everything you need, but whenever I was covering the blue all of February and March, Rob Edwards was my favorite guy, and I believe it's on March 2nd where I really went into detail about it, I think it's titled like Omer Yurt 7 and Moses Brown, just like a mailbag I think I did. Uh, from Reddit or something, but whenever I was talking about Rob Edwards, I made some really bad comparisons. I mean, not terrible, but they're kind of weird, and I don't even know why I thought of them. Anyways, though, whenever I was talking about him, I mean, I said that, you know, he was legit, and he goes in, he can put up points in a heartbeat, and in the first half, he got in, he had like two points. He was not hitting his shots, and I think his one shot came from like a layup or something. So the perimeter was not going on uh, with him. But the beauty about Rob Edwards, just like a Frank Jackson, just like a Jordan Clarkson, I mentioned Giddy Potts for some reason. That was kind of the wild card I threw in there. Almost like him when he was playing Michigan State in the tournament. Like you put him in, he can be a three-level scorer instantly, even when he's frigid beforehand. So he got inserted And in the final minutes, he just gets right back to his roots where he cannot miss a single shot, whether it's a three, a layup, a midi, it's going in for him. So he starts out with his just hallmarked pull-up triple. I don't know if it was from the left wing, but that's kind of where all his threes come from. He goes up there, hits a three, very next possession, another three, banks it, left wing, and he's already notching double digits in the frame for like a span of a minute or two. So he gets inside even past this. He has some acrobatic finishes too where I genuinely do not even know how he's wielding these in. Um, But, you know, he still is. Like he's driving in on two people. He's taking contact where, you know, he's not really even facing the rim. Like he's got his head to the side. 
He's not really positioned too well, but he's taking the contact of these big guys, just like throwing it right up, almost like a sky hook. I don't know if that's a good enough comparison, but he's getting it to go like bank shots. I mean, driving in. One of the beauties of his game is kind of like what Teo does, whether it's off a screen or in isolation. If he gets a step on you, he's going to kind of just like get in front of you and he's going to position himself to where as a defender, you cannot continue to run forward. You're going to lose your momentum. And if you want to keep charging at him, it's going to be a foul and he'll go up for a jumper. So he did that to create space, hit a midi, and by the end of the third quarter, he dropped 15 of the Thunder's final 21 points. That's serious. I mean, if I could yell right now, and I really cannot yell right now, I wish I could. I said yesterday I was going to try to. I don't think I can, but I would be yelling right now. I mean, this is what Rob Edwards does. And when I'm checking my Twitter feed after this quarter, I got Clemente from Bricktown Breakdown He's commenting at me. I know he's done that kind of throughout Summer League. It's pretty funny, but um, I also really appreciate that when he does it. But, um, you know, just like a Rob Edwards check. Like, this is the guy. You know, this is the person I've been talking to you guys about for literally months uh, whenever G League was going on and a lot of people could not watch, like, the 1030 tip times. He goes in and he's that spark plug. 15 points in a quarter is insane. When you're doing that in a 10-minute quarter, when you're only in for like the final five minutes, that's elite. And it was kind of almost like, you know, his team was just giving him the basketball over and over again. And I know Isaiah Thomas did it. uh, You know, he was color commentating during the game. He mentioned it like... In a summer league setting, you don't really give the ball up, or I don't know if you should. I mean, if I'm in there and I'm looking to get an overseas contract or an NBA contract, if I have, you know, a kind of open jumper, I'm taking that instead of kicking it out to a wide open guy. And I know scouts would hate that. Probably everybody would hate that judging me. But I mean, I would almost get greedy and be in that mindset where I'm trying to get my own points. It was huge. No one on this team to end the third were thinking about themselves. They were thinking about the betterment of the team, and they were thinking the, of the betterment of Rob Edwards. I mean, against the Warriors, he had this double-digit spurt where all eyes were on him. I mean, as soon as you're crossing the timeline, if he doesn't already have the ball, you're looking to set off-ball screens to get him wide open. You're looking to get him to the top of the key to give him a dribble handoff or something. And that's what they were doing. And one of the best parts is... They actually, Cameron Woods, he wanted to pair up Ryan Woolridge with Rob Edwards, and maybe I'm overthinking it, but I mean, they had a really solid connection in the back end of the G League games, actually. And one of the best things is Ryan Woolridge would take it up, crosses that timeline, you find Rob Edwards at the left wing, and he just immediately shoots it. Did it like two times in this quarter, and it paid off. So they keep just going to Rob He runs the offense on his own. He's taking you ISO, and he has a really quick first step. Like, I have not really seen uh, a first step like this from him in a while. But he was just going off. So to end this third quarter, they still had that 22-point lead. And it was really all thanks to Rob Edwards and what he was doing. So it was 86-64. to And in the fourth quarter, you know, they were just kind of looking to keep that separation up and... That really would have been that. And they were able to make bank off of it from the get-go. San Antonio, they really didn't have much wiggle room in that quarter. And 
you just had guys really all over the place going off for you. I know Josh Hall, he had just this thunderous, like, dunk. He, he posterized somebody. I forgot who exactly it was, but he's taking somebody off the dribble. He's going right side, get like an inch of space, and he's soaring up with nothing. No, no real gap here. And he was kind of just earning his stripes. You know, a lot of the times what, you know, we've kind of seen is, you know, he's going to force stuff. Josh Hall forces stuff. A lot of guys, they get in that zone, um, but it was paying off for them. And in the fourth, it was already a blowout. Like you're inflating a lead into like the 30s at some points. Like they ended up winning this. I'll just tell you right now, they won by 25, but they were just at it. And you were able to get a glimpse of really everybody in this final frame. Jalen LeCue was getting his reps. As I talked about, Josh Hall went completely off in terms of driving inside. And so was Rob Edwards. He had that monstrous third quarter. He finishes this game with 23 points again. And he goes in and they're still looking to force feed him the basketball. Because you know what? Daquan Jeffries or whoever they're putting in front of him, they could not guard him. And all these shots that he's taken, he shot 18 in all. He has room. He's created wide open shots for himself. They just weren't dropping sometimes. And going 8 of 18, 4 of 8 from distance, that was big for him. And he put himself on the grand stage, not just in the Warriors game, but also in this one, to the point where everybody online is raving about him. And they want Rob Edwards to get a two-way contract. And I'll probably talk about Rob Edwards, his situation, whether I believe he's going to be a future part of this Thunder roster, probably in the next week or something. You know, we'll give a a good recap here. I just want to keep it to the game today, though. Um, You know, I'm not trying to run out of content that fast, right? But yeah, I'll cover everybody. I think Rob Edwards is going to be a really good person to just discuss because the way he was playing, I mean... He was reminiscent of Frank Jackson, for instance, in like the preseason and probably even better where, you know, not like Jackson, where he's just in the corner making plays, stepping up, going baseline for middies. He was going everywhere for these jumpers or penetrations and just making the most of it. And there was even like some family members and I think some trainers behind Isaiah Thomas and just the commentary crew for ESPN. They were having a good time. The cameras were on Edwards for the final 10 minutes. It was like a lucid dream almost. Like I was super excited and I didn't catch most of that Warriors game um, earlier in the week. So this was like the highlight of the week, just seeing him dominate. But even past that, Emmett Williams got in for the fourth quarter. I never really knew how to grade him. Like he's just this solid uh solid center or power forward I guess he's like 6'6 240 where he has a decent interior game midi was all right but this guy was averaging four and four with agua caliente last year like that's not impressive really to be honest that's not like overly impressive but he goes in and just like Ryan Woolridge I guess I'll mention him just like he did Rob Edwards did you go in for the garbage time minutes he goes out there Hits three after three, went two of two, and even inside, he's going in for some dunks. Just everybody was on the same page in this fourth quarter, and really, if it wasn't for some of the foul calls late, OKC would have taken this one 
by 30 plus points. And even by the end of it, you know, they didn't win by 30 points. But what they did do is they set the record for the most points, at least in this season, for a summer league game at 116. I think the previous one was like 111 or 109. So they just stomped all over it late. And they were really gritty until the final horn. This wasn't a matter of the final two minutes are here. You're destroying them. Let's just dribble the clock out and take a desperation shot. Like they were still kicking it out. They were finding their drives. They were still playing like seven second offense when the occasion kind of arose for them. So I was just just so ecstatic to see them uh, kind of run out here. But when you want to check it out in all, they're shooting 57.5% this game, 46 of 80. And then from distance, they still shot above 40% from outside. In the first half, they're shooting 41.7. Can that be sustainable? They didn't hit that 40 mark in the second half, but upper 30s, you're going to take that. So really, it was just that all-around game that put them up top. And then even from the foul line, like the Spurs, they got to the stripe for 22 tries. OKC got up there 17 times, but they went 13 of 17. We've seen games where they're shooting in the 60s until like the very end of this thing. So I'll still take that. I mean, just offensively, this was their most well-rounded game. And you really cannot piece out a certain gap that they had here. Like if we saw this version of them against Cade, and they got the win against Detroit. So you can't really uh, go against them there. But I mean, if they played this way, for all five games, they would have won the championship. Like, obviously, they would have. But there were about like six or seven, maybe even eight guys who were performing to levels where I'm thinking, you know, they're worthy of some team taking a flyer on them. And I think when you start it, I've already talked about Rob Edwards. This has kind of been the Rob Edwards podcast, which is fine by me because he is... (laughs) He is the man when it comes to just creating instant offense. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's in a position now where I don't think he's in this tiny little space where only the blue know about him. And I say this, I'll talk about this in a later episode too, but like Omer Yurt7 was in a similar spot to Rob Edwards. I mean, he's starting off the bench, Moses Brown's ahead of him. He made the most out of his chances, and the Blue didn't want to offer him a contract. What do you see now? The Miami Heat pounced all over him late into last season, got him on a two-year deal where essentially it was the same thing as what you saw with Charlie Brown Jr., where he goes in there, he has to play like a game. I don't even I don't even think Yurt 7 played for the Heat last season. If he did, it's like seven minutes. Like this is you sign him last week of the season to take a flyer and really it's just like a luxurious training camp offer because it was a non-guaranteed deal for yurt seven for this season he dominated in both summer leagues that the heat participated in and now he's on a two-year deal pretty much bare minimum contract where it's guaranteed for him and he looks like a really good role player for them and he's only like 22 23 years old Rob Edwards, he's 24, so it's a bit of a different situation. But, I mean, the way he played in in a blue jersey, like, he was playing like an all-star. And, honestly, he was playing above the competition in terms of just strictly offensive play. And Josh Hall talked about this uh, in his post-game presser, actually, where he's talking about how Rob Edwards, 
you know, him going off, that's nothing new. He'd see in practices, he'd see in OKC Blue games where this man would just light it up and there was no real response on the defensive end. You just kind of have to wait and play his own game. You got to kind of hope he gets cold because, you know, you're not going to knock him off a peg if you're smothering the man. If he's feeling it, he's knocking that shot down. So he has that kind of X factor that I think everybody wants the Thunder have needed. Uh, And I think fans, that's just an exciting archetype to watch play. So I don't know what happens with him, but I mean, he deserves to have some sort of future, whether it's a two-way deal, a contract, definitely overseas, people are going to be calling his name. And I think in the G League circuits, he's already atop the list for everybody, especially the people that he just straight up axed back in February and March. But going past him, I mean, there's still some bright spots. Like I said, Josh Hall, 17-point game, had seven rebounds and two assists to go with it, went five of eight on the game, 0 of one from three, but seven of seven from the foul line. This is the thing with him. Like, with Josh Hall, he was a person where we never really got to see him until like the final week of the regular season. This man was battling knee injuries. He's in and out of health and safety protocols. We didn't see the man in a blue jersey beyond like six minutes where he really didn't look that good, to be honest. But he stepped up when it mattered. He had that 25-point game against the Clippers, has this 17-point game against the Spurs to where now you're thinking, this guy, we still have the qualifying offer extended to him. He could pick that up. We could give him a two-way contract again. Just the idea of like this six foot nine ball handler, he looked really good handling today or yesterday, I guess, and also attacking. If this three-point shot really formulates for him, you're checking him out as one of the more intriguing guys on this roster. When you check out who's there at the small forward position, Gabrielle Deck, I don't know if we're going to see him again, to be honest, but like an Isaiah Roby, those kinds of guys, I think we know what we have in Isaiah Roby. There's a lot untapped with Josh Hall, and this is just him showing off his skill set again. So he made the right strides in this game to kind of further his chances of another contract. And he's young enough to where, you know, I'd still enjoy taking a flyer on him. Past those two though, and those two were both off the bench, by the way, and that just tells you how amazing this point distribution was. Jeremiah Robinson Earl also hit double digits in the first half, only had two points in that second half, but 15 points on 7 of 13 shooting, 0 of 2 from downtown, had 8 rebounds and 4 assists to go with it. And this guy is beautiful when it comes down to just the pace of the game. I don't know if we're going to see him as a small ball 5. It might come up just due to necessity, like what we saw from Isaiah Roby. But he's just like Roby where... His speed and his frame are dominant in summer league play and preseason play where who you're matching up against, they're typically like one trick ponies where they're like seven foot two guys who aren't that quick laterally and you can torch them rolling to the rim or you can step outside and they're going to get tangled up, you know, trying to determine how they're going to judge a screen. Um, And that's what he just does. So He hits 15, that might be his highest, maybe against the Pistons he had more, but super impressed. I mean, his overall palette throughout these five games gives you a strong indicator that, you know, him getting picked at 32 might have been a mistake. And some of these teams, especially playoff ones, because I think he already can contribute right away, 
probably scratching their head. We'll have to see positionally how he shapes up at the next level uh, once we start hitting the regular season. But as of, of right now, I mean, I really enjoyed what I saw from him. And then even past Jeremiah Robinson Earl, you had Emmett Williams. I mentioned him a second ago. This dude goes 6 of 6, 14 points, 2 of 2 from 3, and has 5 rebounds in 19 minutes. And I would assume this is like a blue pickup probably. I don't know if we're going to see him, um, you know, on a two-way. Like he didn't really play. He was the last man on this rotation uh, literally until this game. But, you know, maybe he's worth that flyer on the blue. They are going to need some more front court bodies due to Moses Brown, Yurt Seven, Poku. They're all going to be gone. I really can't think right now of who's actually going to be remaining of that roster. So they could use a guy like Emmett Williams for sure. Uh, I think they could also, you know, use a guy like Wiggins when he does play down. Now, I would assume on that two-way, they're going to use all 50 of those games and just have him really within the Thunder organization when they can. But, you know, he's still been steady enough, that 3 and D mold where, uh, you know, he can, he can chip in, but also he was not just sticking to the corner in this one either. Finish with those 10 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists going 4 of 7 overall. But just one last guy again, it's Teo. And he didn't have any second half points, neither did Wiggins. He still finishes with 17 or 11 points, my goodness, and 7 assists going 4 of 6 from the floor and 3 of 4 from downtown. Check out the guys that I didn't mention. Charlie Brown Jr., 9 points on this game. Field goal wise, still pretty impressive this is better than those one for eight showings we've kind of become accustomed to he went four of seven and then Jalen Horde three of three on the interior oh of three from downtown he got his six points and four rebounds in his 19 minutes and Jalen LeCue had seven points going three of six got to align once might as well talk about the final man here though in Ryan Woolridge he had four points two rebounds and two assists playing as kind of a combo guard next to Rob Edwards off the bench. But this was a spectacular finish. I think there's a ton of positives you can pick apart from this one. Not too many negatives. If there really is one that you can decipher out of this, please tell me if that is the case. But got a lot to look forward to. Gotta see who remains from this team. I don't really know. I mean, you have Charlie Brown, you have Jalen Horde, you know Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, and Wiggins are going to be there. Same with Teo, Hall, potentially, and the two guys in Man and Giddy where they were injured. But things will shape out naturally. I'm really pumped up to see it. We're going to see a break in the action here. We're going to have like a one or two month hiatus before we get into preseason. That does not mean the talk is going to stop here. Got you guys content all throughout the offseason. We'll be doing some discussions throughout this little offseason part where it's really not as exciting as before, but there's still going to be some news dropping. I know media day should be rapidly approaching. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.